0: My name's Jill Rowe, and in this episode, Steve Chalk and I talk about the life lessons we can pick up from learning to swim. We unpack the daring involved in making bold statements and big moves, and how such daring also shows up in the small things too. We think about the wonder of courage and also its cost, reflecting on how it always moves us and the story forward. We consider how failure is the friend of courage, not its enemy, and how such courage breathes life into us and our relationships, as well as our sense of life purpose. This one was fun. We hope you like it. Hey, Steve, us again. It is. I think, what number was this? 13?
1: I don't know, Jill, but I just enjoy them all. It's great being with you. Honestly, it is, because... I, I should I should say, you know, why do I say that? Because we worked together for donkey's years. It's a very but, long time. Yeah, but you don't, you know, you often just don't get a chance to talk to each other, yes. spend time because life's busy and all the rest of it. I kind of wave at you more than I talk to you <laughs> half the time, which I always feel is my loss. Well, so that's this is very great. kind. Yeah.
0: I know it is good. It is good mm-hmm. to have this time, quality time. I don't know how old you were when you learnt to swim, Steve, but... I was about four. I was a bit of a keynote wow, when it yeah. came to swimming.
1: <laughs> I'm sure when I learned swim was later than that.
0: Cool, well um, done. Yeah, I nearly had no Olympic trials. No, I didn't. Oh, I, I, thought you didn't could say I didn't. Say I nearly I drowned. <laughs> but I, re- I remember really, I, I remember where I was and I remember the feeling of being scared that I was going to drown. Oh, I remember that feeling.
1: Where was this in a swimming pool?
0: It was. In the sea. Wow. <laughs> yes, it was in the sea. And it was with uh, my mum, was there. And I remember the feeling, you know, when the water's all around you and you're like, oh no, this is going to be awful and I'm going to drown or whatever you thought was going to happen to you when you were. Little. Did
1: you have armbands or a rubber ring or.
0: Probably had one armband at that oh. point because, you know, you've got to encourage people to swim. So, you know, you start taking the floats off. But I just remember mum saying, just put a foot down on the floor mm. <laughs> because you're not that deep and yeah, the floor is uh, there. Yeah. I always remember the feeling because you feel it inside when you're learning to swim as well, don't you? Because there's like this fear and courage thing going on. Like, I I want to do this. But this is really scary. And then just that, just just put that foot down. You'll be able to find find the solid ground. And I, I, I've always been interested in how courage and Brené Brown's like the the Pope of all this stuff, isn't she? Vulnerability and courage, the relationship, they're the same thing. But I've always admired, particularly in you, that you have a very dynamic relationship with risk (laughs) and you're very courageous. Lots of people would talk about you as very, very courageous. You're a brave man. Courage always takes us further forward, doesn't it? It always... Yeah. Helps us to grow and expand and achieve more, but I'm very conscious, Steve, of a massive, courageous step that you took. I, I can't even remember how many years ago it is now. About LGBT inclusion, that was a that, that was a leap.
1: That was a leap. Well, I wished it had been a leap. In the end, I had to bring so many people with me. I didn't quite leap as early <laughs> as I as I chose to, to tell you the truth. So. Uh, well, how, how did that happen? Well, first of all, I don't feel a brave person or, you know, or a courageous, but honestly mm. don't. I kinda. But I do think this is when you're guided by a vision, you know, mm. going back to what we said in an earlier episode, when you start with your why, mm. you know, it's easier to work out what to do than if you start with the what's and you get scared. Mm. You know. So um, that came about for two reasons really. One was I was leading the church. Mm. in London and there were lots of wonderful gay people who were part of the church. Yeah. Honestly, just like my mates, you know, just yeah. truly, you know. You don't look at people and say, oh, they're gay, they're they're yeah. uh, you know, heterosexual, do you? Yeah. I, I, I never friends. look at I just never friends. look at you and go, Whoa, oh, there's Jill, that great <laughs> heterosexual. <laughs> you know? You're just Jill, do you see? So so these are just my mates, you, you know. And um, of course, the church that I, I was leading was Oasis Waterloo, was always, I think, oh, yeah, no, it always was inclusive of everyone. You know, it just was yeah. from the start, you know. But of course, we didn't tell anyone that. It wasn't that we were scared to tell anyone. It was like everybody you needed to know knew, yeah, you know. Yeah, Cause, yeah. You know? Yeah. And then I kind of became aware that someone had to stand up and say this more loudly because yeah. someone had to get this conversation going. And then, at the same time, Oasis was developing schools. And so there are lots of young people in our care. And I realised that, you know, amongst amongst them, you know, people vary on, don't they, how what the percentages are. But I realised that as our schools grew, grew with first hundreds of young people then thousands of young people. And staff. And staff. And staff. And parents, you yeah. know. There'd be lots of people within our care, and we're a a Christ-centred organisation, who, as the battle raged with some elements of the church declaring that, you know, if you're gay, you're doomed, and all that kind of thing, I didn't want anyone to feel that. But I knew that because we were a Christ-centred organisation, unless we said otherwise, they might assume that. Mm. And then the government, I knew, was preparing to do some legislation around same-sex marriages and there was no timetable for that but I knew that they were preparing and I realized this would become a national debate and I realized that everybody would assume that we were against same-sex marriages and therefore not very LGBT welcoming unless we said it real clear yeah. And I also realised that for every young person in our schools that might be questioning their sexuality one way or the other, if I could make a loud noise, you know, mm. I could pr- provide air cover for them mm. so they could cradle under that care and say, but I'm part of a school where I'm celebrated. So I wanted to create an umbrella of care, air cover, that for people to shelter under, under when I knew this storm about Mm-hmm. Uh, same-sex marriage would come, which it did in the end. And people said, you know, if people of the same sex are allowed to get married, the universe will melt down, you know, and <laughs> all that kind of... Like, oh, it's, yeah, bonkers, in my view, right? So <laughs> what I did was I decided to write an article mm-hmm. about... what I'll tell you what happened first, actually. For years and years, i thought about this. And I thought, I'll publish a book... About this. But then I thought, if I publish a book, I'm responsible for the whole of Oasis, and then people will stop funding us. And if they stop funding us, might have to make people, people like you, redundant Mm. because there's no money for it. So I can't publish a book in my name. And then I thought, I'll publish a book. In someone else's name, you know, C.S. Lewis once did that, yeah, about yeah. a book called The Grief Observed. And, and then I realised that was bonkers because unless I stood up and said it, it would have no meaning and purpose, it's just a name that nobody had heard of. And then I said to our trustees, trustees of Oasis, I'm going to just write a book about this and I'll publish it after my death. Uh, And then uh, even as I said it to them, I realised that was just sheer cowardice. That was courage. And it wouldn't do any good because I'd be dead and unable to defend any of this and Oasis would get stuck with it. So I decided that I wouldn't write a book because it would take too long. I'd just write a big article, Mm. which I did, and I'd explode it in the most evangelical Christian magazine I could think of, which was called Christian magazine, Christianity magazine. So I wrote this article and I showed it to our trustees and they kind of like, ah, you can't publish that. I'm not blaming them because they were worried about your job and everybody else's job and all their responsibilities. So we talked it through for over a year because we got more than one board of trustees before I finally got permission that, yeah, I could do this and it wouldn't completely wipe Oasis off the face of the planet. And then I had to get Christianity magazine to allow me to publish it and that was really hard, and they took it to a board meeting as well, and then uh, they said I could publish it as long as I didn't ever write for them anymore, <laughs> you know, because mm-hmm. they were scared of losing yeah, yeah, subscribers. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, eventually it was published, and under the title "The Last Taboo." Of course, it's not the last taboo mm-hmm. at all. It's just a, an important. There's always another taboo. Uh, yeah, it's it? just an important <laughs> thing to debate, and if God is love. God's on the side of everyone, it includes everyone. Yeah. An Oasis badge is actually, you know, our circle, our O, yeah. our badge is what we call our circle of inclusion. So that's how it happened. But sure enough, I got fired from things, <laughs> I got banned, at a meeting at events that had asked me to speak uninvited me. You had My an di- empty diary well, it was didn't completely you? empty. Completely empty. It was a rather wonderful, so,
0: actually. Yeah, that. <laughs> had a breather. I know, I know you say that you don't perceive yourself as full of courage and all the rest of it, but maybe courage is just the practice of the thing that we're doing at the yeah. time. But there was a huge cost on you of that, and that is part of courage, mm. isn't yeah. it? That courage is not the easy option. No, courage has built in with it, yeah. Risk,
1: yeah. Well, it's true to say, I think that was in 2000 and it
0: just seems ages yeah, ago to
1: me, 12 or something like that. I can't quite yeah. remember. Anyway, the point is that every single day perhaps not every single day, there might have been a few gaps since then, including today. People just rip into me the whole time about it. Mm. Um, for, yeah, so today it's happened, it happens every day. But, you know, what I always think about that, Jill, is this. I have friends who I love. I mean, I genuinely Mm. love them Mm. who are gay. And I think that any hostility shown to me that I have to go through because of this is nothing. It's infinitesimal in comparison with somebody feeling that because of who they are, they are somehow... Suboptimally human, mm. which is what is often taught. And that is vile, mm. isn't it? So, so I think yeah. in the end, you just got... It's, for me, it's not about courage. It's just about I don't want to live a lie. I want to be able to say what I really think. I need to say it because that's the only authentic way to be. And there is loads of risk built into it, and yeah. it is scary.
0: Yeah, and I think that's just true, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it, it is scary...
1: But, I was going to say to you, yeah. actually. So I met. How how many years ago did we meet? Twenty. Oh, uh, was in ninety four. Yeah,
0: that's a long time that's ago. A very long time <laughs> <Yeah>, ago. <again. laughs> right. I don't know what the sums are. No,
1: no, nor do I. Cause it's nearly I'm thirty bad years. At maths.
0: It's nearly thirty years. Yeah.
1: Anyway, I remember meeting you uh, in Derby uh, one evening, and then talking with you.
0: And uh, you came into the school.
1: Yeah, and I came into the school where you an RE teacher. I was. Yeah. And um, we got to know each other a bit. And I don't know how many days it was (laughs) before I said to you, hey, Jill, why don't you leave your job, leave Derby, leave your job, your well-paid job, your, your, your secure job, as head of RE in this school, secondary school, and why don't you come to London and work with me, except there's only one caveat to that. I haven't got any money and can't pay you. So I'd like to, you to leave your home, leave your job and come and work with me. And if it all goes well, we might reach the place where somebody will give us some money. If not, bad luck. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's a great offer. Best offer I had. Well, you did it. No, I, I know. Well, and that, was, that is yeah, courage, was, yeah, yeah. like beyond belief. <laughs> courage stupidity Stupidity. (laughs) (laughs) like taken in (laughs) (laughs) no it was it was yeah it was so why did you do that so it's interesting you said when you know your why Mm. the difference that that makes and I do think that that's the engine that sits behind courage for me Mm. in that in that decision Mm. so for me I just had this sense that there's kind of a, a a purpose to my existence which is you know to spend myself in this kind of work that we do in Oasis and to help others to do the same kind of work that's that's just always been my my thing and so when you asked me and I think it was about the second day
1: How was it? I left it a long time <laughs> yeah, then.
0: yeah you were very kind um <laughs> I remember thinking well why not just try it. And a number of people said I was foolish. I remember coming for the interview, and someone on the panel, whose okay. name is Charlotte, kept saying in the interview, so we're all sat together, and she kept saying, Are you sure? Yeah, you see. Are you sure? Because
1: I ought to, I haven't pointed that out. I, I said, Give up your job and come and work, work with me, and there's no money. And then put you, said, but you'll have to be interviewed <laughs> because I realised the other people in Oasis then uh, would need to interview you. But, but we were inter- interviewing you for a non-existent job with no money.
0: Which was amazing, right? But I think that because because I had this kind of sense of, well, this is what I want to spend my life on. Here's my story. Here's this Here's this family, this movement, this organisation, where I can bring my story into this story, and it all makes sense. And even though it was scary, and it was mm, scary because yeah. we didn't know about no. the money, and we didn't know what would happen, and I had a mortgage, and I was, <laughs> there and go. all you of those, <laughs> all of those things. Even though all of that was true, there's just that thing of well, if if we don't, if I don't do this. Then I can I can really clearly see really easily how simply mapped out my life would have been. I'd have mm. become the deputy head, and I'd have. Do you know? Mm. It, and then you're like, but is that it? Do you know? Is that all there is? Mm. And so I think what courage does what, what, when you are just like I've just got to let's just throw it in. Let's see what happens. See mm. what happens, and if it all goes wrong. Well, you're still a teacher.
1: You can get another
0: job. Yeah. <laughs> you're there's, still, you're still a human being. There's a being shortage of suddenly. teachers, as <laughs> exactly. we both well know. Um, yeah. But it was, yeah, best and, move I ever made.
1: Yeah. Uh, it was amazing, and look what's what's happened since. Yeah. I mean, it's just that your role in Oasis has made Oasis what it is, and underpins Oasis, our ethos, our nine habits, who we are which is your work. It's just amazing. You're very kind. But courage isn't just big things. I mean, that is like a giant thing. And you know? I just mm. imagine some people would go, yikes, I can't do that. <laughs> so <laughs> courage isn't just those no. big things, is it?
0: No, I think just being honest with someone takes courage. Because we, one, one of the things I often notice is the dance around truth that people have, where they don't. They don't say what they're really thinking because they're afraid. They don't say what they mean because they're nervous of the other person falling out with them, etc. And so even, even on the smallest detail of speaking honestly to another person, I think is an act of courage. Telling someone you love them is an act of courage, isn't it? Reaching out in friendship to someone is an act of courage
1: yeah it's the little things as well as the big things away living you know c.s lewis um, mentioned him earlier in one of his books i can't remember which one it is this great illustration around this he tells a story of two men and he says one man the first man saw a building on fire and he saw a ladder Uh, beside the building, and he saw on the fourth floor a woman and her child, the woman screaming, holding her child. So he put the ladder up against the burning building Mm. and he climbed the ladder right to the top and then he reached inside and he lifted out the child and he brought the child down and he rushed back up the ladder and he lifted the woman out and he carried her down the ladder and he rescued both. And a crowd who'd gathered all stood and applauded. Fantastic. What a hero. And then he tells the story about another man who was walking down a road one day and he saw a cat stuck in a little apple tree just about eight feet off the ground. Mm. And the cat was obviously scared and and meowing and, and very distressed. And there were some branches that he worked out that he could climb up just a few feet off the ground, two or three feet off the ground, and lift that cat out of the tree to safety, which he did. And there was no one there. And then C.S. Lewis says, so which man showed courage? And then he gave some more facts. He said, the guy who climbed the ladder was a fireman. And in his free time, he loved mountain climbing. Mm. He loved heights. The guy who rescued the cat out of the tree had an inbuilt fear of heights. And it was agony for him just to look down mm. a set of stairs from the first floor to the ground floor. And then he asked again, which man showed courage? Mm. So it's not for us, is it, to judge that she's courageous and he's not, Mm. or vice versa. It's for us to take those little steps for ourselves. And Mm. sometimes real courage for us is just like turning up and being there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. How do you think you can grow courage?
1: I'd say for me, I don't know what you'd say, Jill, But the more steps of courage you take, the easier it is to take steps of courage. The more you venture out from your security and learn how to do it and learn that even failure doesn't matter, the easier it becomes the next time round. I think that failure is a very important part of taking Mm. steps of courage. So... You know, I look back over uh, uh, my life thus far and there's, you know, everybody remembers the steps of courage I've taken that paid off. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, because I had the courage to step out and start some schools. or I'd start this or begin that or whatever. But, well, you've known me long enough to know there's loads of things that I've pushed that just flopped you know just fallen apart completely there's a big project I'm working on at the moment I'm talking about big projects again which if it comes off will be extraordinary and if it doesn't everyone I know will I fear (laughs) we're just going oh stupid idea he had you know so you live with that fear so courage always requires courage it never gets easy there's always as you say fear uh, that's that built in. There's always risk. There's always vulnerability. Yeah. But actually, the more steps of courage you take, the easier it is to take
0: another step. So, does your level of fear get less, or is it always there in lurking in the it's background? Al-
1: it's always there, lurking in the background. I think, I don't know about you, as you get older, you're not as old as me. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're you're a young (laughs) slip of a thing. But the older you get, I think, the more you realise you've got to live authentically. Your life isn't about you. It's about what you leave, isn't it? It's about what you pass on to the next generation. So I realised that the more the I, more I can in my small way add to and help achieve, the easier I make it for those who come beyond me and behind me. So there's a sense in which I want to, I, I don't mean this in an individualistic way, so I don't like saying I, hmm. but but the further I get using the, you know, the, or the further we get, the easier, where well, the further we get, then the next generation stands on our shoulders and they start at our ending place. D- does that make sense? Hmm. So it's, Let's go for it and let's try and achieve this stuff because that becomes the beginning place for the next generation. And that means that they will get further yeah. uh, and and do things that, that I can't even dream of. Mm. We're all just playing our part. We're part of one big movement. It's called the human race.
0: Yeah. There is something for me, and I, I think about, you know, me leaving teaching career to come and work for no salary which i just so people know i do now get a salary (laughs) uh, since last month (laughs) (laughs) 26 years and eventually no no i'm joking um so steve when when i'm in your orbit i'm very conscious of how alive you are how curious you are how there's kind of this energy and i know that that in my view, that is connected to courage because I think when, when we approach life with courage, even if it's like the smallest amount of courage that we can muster, what it does is it, it breathes life into us. It expands our perception of what's possible. But also I think it changes the way we relate to other people because I think it makes us more gracious. I think it makes us more encouraging. I think it makes us more interested in other people and that that to me is just like even even if it's the smallest seed mm. of courage that you can muster, then that's got to be worth it, hasn't it? because it's yeah, it's bringing life to yourself yeah. and it then brings life. To others.
1: Which is, again, related to your why. Why am I here? Yeah. You know, what's my purpose? Uh, um, I'll tell you a funny story and then return to this, because I've got a friend called Tony who um, studied under Albert Einstein, in fact, I spoke to Tony just last night. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah. he lives in the States and he's a professor of sociology. Yeah. You know him and all the rest of it. He's retired very elderly now. Yeah. So he lives in a, a nursing home now and I, I, I often talk to him. Anyway, so the thing is, uh, he told me this story because uh, he, uh, he studied under Einstein and then he kept friends with Einstein. And um, one day, he said, when Einstein was older, Einstein's on this train... And uh, the ticket collector's coming down the carriage and uh, he starts fumbling around for his ticket because he can't find it. He's fumbling in all his pockets. Oh, he's standing up, looking in his bag. Ticket collector gets to him and says, Dr. Einstein, I know who you are. You don't need to show me your ticket. And on the collector goes. Ticket collector reaches one end of the train and then he's coming back up collecting new tickets, and as he reaches Einstein's carriage again, Einstein is still fumbling in his trousers and his, you know, in his bag and he's emptied it out, and the ticket collector gets to him and says Dr. Einstein, I know who you are, I don't need to see your ticket and Einstein says to him I know who I am as well that's not the problem the problem is, I don't know where I'm going (laughs) He was obviously going <laughs> off to a lecture and he didn't know when to get <laughs> off. So so the point is, once you know who you are and where you're going, you know what your life's about, mm. then that courage, that spark mm. of courage, grows out of that thing, doesn't it? I think in some senses, would you say, Jill, courage is a byproduct of yeah. something else. It's not the thing. The thing is, what's my life about? Where am I going? What's my yeah. what's my why? And having established that. Courage becomes the way you, you want to you live. Be- it. It yeah, activates yeah. it. So yeah. the energy doesn't come from trying to be courageous. Mm. It comes from trying to get something done because that's why we're here. Yeah. That's the purpose of my life. And that brings you to life, doesn't it? You are yeah. energised by your mission, your purpose, your yeah. vision, yeah. your sense of vocation or calling yeah. in life. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and I think as well, just picking up on that, I remember being at school and my my English teacher being really clear that I was rubbish at writing. (laughs) Like really clear. Which made me fear writing. Mm. But in my work, I do loads of writing. All the time. All the time. You know, sometimes what you're having to do is dig deep into that sense of actually what, what am I, who, who am, I, am I, am I enough, am I worthy, am I, and then just whatever has been said to you or you've, you know, you've thought about yourself, it's, have, it's just daring to believe that if I just give this a go yeah. and if I give it another go yeah. and I give it another go and I give it another go,
1: mm. it,
0: it'll be okay. Yeah, you know,
1: that's exactly my experience, actually, because I've written about 60 something books. I don't know how many. I just finished one now, which isn't yet published, but um, I've written tons of them, uh, you know, over the years. And the first book I wrote was when I was in my 20s and it was about youth work. And this guy, his name was Dave Roberts, or is Dave Roberts, he, he he asked, he was the editor, the publisher, I mean, and he said, why don't you write this book? We need 80,000 words. Well, <laughs> I I was worse at English than you ever were because you were a teacher. Like, I,
0: I, I, just, I just meant I'd scraped I, the O-levels, seriously. <laughs> seriously.
1: Well, I didn't scrape any O-levels or A-levels or anything. Do you know, I just failed everything. And I just couldn't write, Do you know. I'd never written written an essay, really, you know, properly, let alone a book. And he said, oh, you can do it, you can do it. And I knew I couldn't, 80,000 words. Anyway, the thing is, he said, well, just write it a page at a time. Mm. That's a lot of pages, 80,000 <laughs> words. I thought, a lot, 80,000 words. It's like, anyway, I did. Yeah. And the point was, I realised exactly the point you're making in the end, I cared about youth work. You know, I was a youth worker. I was passionate about giving young people opportunity. And so I didn't even know I knew 80,000 words worth of stuff. I didn't know I knew 800 words worth of stuff. But I just, like, in the end started with this blank sheet of paper and I just thought, I don't know how to write a book. I just write what I think, you know, and I wrote what I thought and it was 80,000 words in the end. And it wasn't even hard. I mean, it took a long time, it's hard yeah. in that sense. And um, they published it, and then they asked me to write another one and another one. Yeah. And so I realized in the end I could write, but it was driven by this passion which gave me the courage to take it, take it on. Um, you know, um, that famous quote, you'll know who it is by. It goes something like this courage doesn't always roar. It's not about roaring. Sometimes courage is just that little voice that at the end of the day says, I'll try again tomorrow. Who was that by, Jill?
0: Mary Ann Radmacher.
1: You see, I knew you'd know because <laughs> you read books as well as write them. <laughs> or you I see.
0: Google.
1: <laughs> well, it's a famous quote, isn't it? Yes. And I think it's so brilliant. Courage doesn't always roar. Sometimes courage is the little voice at the end of the day that says, I'll try again tomorrow because it's my vision.
0: Thanks, Steve.